Okay, you guys, here we go. She Runs Ultras episode 47. And if you're listening to this in real time, I'm just about two weeks post Ghost Train 100 finish. And if you've kind of been paying attention to my social media in real time, you may have seen a post about the post-race funk. And this is something that kind of happens after every big effort or race or event. And I'm going to do a whole episode on this in the future, but I bring it up because one of the things that happens after a big race like Ghost Train, at least for me anyway, is I spend more time sleeping or I kind of try to recuperate some sleep, catch up on sleep, and really try to give my body what it needs after a big race like that. And so it's only really fitting that I asked my friend Risa to come on and talk about sleep, seeing that she is a sleep expert and one of the experts that's going to be presenting in the winter reboot program. Now, If this is the first time you're hearing about this, basically what I did was sit down one day and think about what are all of the holes or the gaps in my training from this past year and how am I going to fix them, fill them, improve upon them um, going forwards. And so I made a whole big list. They were things like nutrition and sleep and mindset and meal prep and my strength and mobility, basically a little bit of everything. And so then I called all of my friends that are experts in those areas that I am not an expert in and wanted them to coach me. And then the more I got to talking about it with friends and family members and and clients and other people, people got really excited and they were like, oh, I want in too. So we basically turned it into a a group coaching program. So Risa is one of those amazing humans that's going to come in and teach us all about sleep. So I wanted to have her obviously come onto the podcast and share some kind of ground rules for sleep, as well as some tips and tricks that you can start implementing today to start to improve your sleep across the board. Doesn't even have to be because you just did a big race. Like sleep is so important as we'll kind of get into here. So I'm not going to wait any longer. Let's just get into my conversation with Risa Gabrielle, sleep expert, all about how to get more and better sleep. Okay, you guys, well, I am here with my friend Risa, and she is an expert in sleep. So, of course, as a runner, this is something we always want to optimize. I know personally myself, I'm always trying to get as much high quality sleep as possible. So I wanted Risa to come on and share, you know, some nuggets and wisdom that she has around sleep so that maybe we can start to work on this together in the off season um, as you know the winter starts to roll around, at least here where I am, maybe not where you guys are. But so welcome, Risa. Thank you. Can you just tell us, like introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and how you got into coaching people on sleep? Yeah, definitely. Thanks so much for having me today, Megan. Um, so I suffered with sleep problems for many, many years. And that's kind of how I've started on this on this journey. And it, it, I never had great sleep when I was a kid, when I was younger. But then it just kind of culminated in having really bad sleep problems in my 20s. So having um, basically sleep paralysis, which if anyone in your audience has had that, they know how scary it can be. Um, you get that with something called hypnagogic hallucinations. So it's quite terrifying because it's basically you are in REM cycle where you're meant to be frozen where you're meant to be paralyzed. So you're not acting out your dreams, but you wake up. 
So you wake up and you can't move and you're very, it's not a nightmare. It's not like a night terror. You're very aware of the room that you're in, but then coupled with that, you get this thing called hypnagogic hallucinations. So you might visualize seeing like someone standing over your bed about to kill you or uh, your bed being on fire or all sorts of crazy things. This I have never heard of this. This is so crazy. I have never heard of this. Oh, it's more common than you think. I think about like 30% of people suffer from it really? at some point in their lives. Holy cow. And it, it also does happen more when you're younger. Um, it's quite common for it to come up in, in your teens, your 20s, even 30s, like when you're maybe more burning the candle at both ends, not getting enough rest. And like like any sleep disorder, it's exacerbated by bad sleep. So it just becomes like this vicious cycle that you find yourself in. Um, so I basically was having issues with that. And then because I wasn't sleeping well at night, I was having what they call excessive daytime sleepiness, which basically means like struggling to stay awake during the day. And I went to all these different um, sleep doctors and went to one of the sleep labs, you know, where they like hook you up with all the electrodes. <laughs> and I look like a bit of a science experiment. Um and then it's not just at night, by the way, they like also monitor you in the day. So you have to like try to nap. It's, it's like I was there for like a very long time. And all that I came away with from that experience was basically being told I needed to take some medications. So I was given something that was a medicine that was supposed to help me knock, knock me out at night, which um, is it was actually the, the like pharmaceutical form of GHB. I don't know if you're familiar with GHB, but it's like one of the date rape drugs. Sometimes people use it for partying as well, but it makes you very tired. So I was meant to take that. And then I had a vibrating alarm clock that I had to put under my pillow and that would wake me up halfway through the night and I would take more. And then in the daytime to deal with the excessive daytime sleepiness, I was told to take Provigil, which is um, kind of similar to Adderall, Ritalin, that kind of type of medication. Um, so it was awful. <laughs> it was very Valley of the Dolls, like downers and uppers. And I hated being on the Provigil. And I just like, I felt like shit. So I, 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 as you can imagine, this didn't last very long. It lasted like a couple months. And then I just kind of gave up. And I just thought, I'm just always going to be tired. Like, this is just part of who I am. Like, it's just part of my personality. It's just part of my makeup, like other aspects of myself. And it wasn't until years later, I, I was living in the States when all this was going on, hence the probably heavy medications. Um, and when I moved to the UK where I live now, I live in London and I did a yoga teacher training. And then shortly after that, I did uh, yoga therapy for sleep training. And then I've done other like sleep therapy trainings over the years as well. But the first one I did, it was funny because like I didn't even go to it thinking to myself. I'm sure there was something subconscious, but it was like I had just completely given up on myself. I just thought like that is just who I am. So I more went to th thinking, oh, I have some friends and family that have insomnia or this might be good for my yoga clients, kind of with that aspect. And then this it just was completely life changing because I realized there was so much that I could be doing to help my sleep that it's like easy, easy things that we just don't really know about because we don't really understand how sleep works and how there's so much that we do in our day unfortunately in our modern lifestyle that just really you know it hurts our sleep and we're not really aware of this stuff so it was life-changing and then just since then um within the wellness world I focused more and more on sleep kind of letting you know the yoga teaching go by the wayside a bit and uh, I've been working as a sleep therapist for a while and I work with corporates I, I work with clients doing you know one-on-one -on -one therapy and I'm doing I'm launching a online group course coming up soon um 
and do retreats and things like that. So that's really my focus. And because it's just, I've seen how my sleep has been completely transformed and how I've been able to help clients do the same. It's just, it's amazing to say like my sleep, like, you know, pun intended is like night and day than it was (laughs) all those years ago. At first, I can't even believe that I had no idea about the condition that you were talking about. And you brought up something really important that I want to circle back to, which is this idea of you became resigned to the fact that this is how it was. And I think a lot of people are like that, not only with their sleep, but with a lot of things in their lives. Like, you know, their like, since this is a running podcast, you know, their pace, their nutrition, their, um, you know, performance, whatever it might be, oftentimes, we just get kind of resigned or maybe not complacent. I think resigned is really the word I want here. Um, And we just think, well, this is how it's going to be. And I love that you like fully demonstrated that it's that's not the way that it has to be that there are certain things that we can do to help optimize and um, full disclosure, you guys, I didn't mention this earlier, but Risa is actually one of the guest experts that's going to be in the winter reboot program that starts on November 1st. And she's going to be, you know, giving us all these amazing tips on how to really optimize our sleep. So let's like, I want to kind of start the conversation. I mean, we all know why sleep is important, but is there, is there something that we don't know, like some, you know, scientific or physiological reason when we're not getting enough sleep, like what's happening to our bodies? Yeah. And I think it's really important just to kind of touch on that because a lot of times we think of sleep as being tired, you know, the absence of sleep is being tired or having energy. Like it's like, it's just whether you're rested or not. It's, it, it's just kind of how you're feeling in terms of fatigue, but actually sleep has an impact on so much. I mean, literally everything physiologically that you can tie it back to and in terms of our mental health and in terms of our mood and our mental cognition, ability to focus all of that comes back to sleep. So when you're looking at like the type of sleep that we have over the course of the night, for instance, um, our deep anabolic sleep, so that deep NREM sleep is a really, really restorative stage of sleep. So that stage is where the brain waves just slow all the way down to these delta brain waves, the body's um, in a rarely restorative state. And it's so vital for muscle repair, for hormone rejuvenation, for our immunity as well. So sleep and immunity, obviously, you know, that's like something we've all focused on more in the last few years uh, is immunity and sleep is vital for our immunity. When you sleep, your body releases something called cytokines, which is part of the immune system function. But when you're not sleeping well, your body doesn't produce enough of those cytokines. So lack of sleep can have a big impact on our health. I know, for instance, when I was having the worst of my sleep problems, I was getting like seven, eight sinus infections a year, and I was on antibiotics, and that's a whole other story. Um, But it definitely, you probably have felt this, you know, I don't know, Megan, you might have felt this in your own life, where it's like, you've had lack of sleep and then that cold comes on and, you know, you just, you feel like not your best physically. So, yeah. So like, that's really important in terms of thinking about our physical health, but also just in terms of our mental health. So then if you get into looking at REM sleep, that is a really, really active stage of sleep in terms of our brain activity. So if you were to compare the waking brain activity to this, to the REM sleep brain activity, they're like, they're nearly like the same. It's the same amount of activity. But during REM sleep, you're actually even more active in certain things that have to do with your mental 
um, health and focus and elements of your brain that have to do with mood and all of those sections of the brain that have to do with that are even more active in REM sleep. So REM's really, really important. And like the reason that you might feel horrible after say a night of drinking, for instance, not just because what alcohol does to your body, but what it does to your sleep. So alcohol, so drinking has an effect on your REM cycle specifically. So one of the reasons you might feel maybe a bit fragile, a bit harder to focus the day of a hangover, it's actually because you've reduced that capacity. Um, and then like long-term, bigger picture, health problems that have there's a lot that has been linked to lack of sleep so things like diabetes alzheimer's um, cardiac disease and then even like obesity and weight gain because when you're tired your body produces more of a hormone called ghrelin and it, that's why you kind of like when you're tired you're maybe reaching for the wrong foods right you're like oh let me have this sugar carbs or things like that uh, and i don't mean wrong as in like some foods are bad i just mean like not right in terms of the strategy of actually wanting to get more energy you know, like it's better to have go for the proteins and things like that. But yeah, so it's like little picture, everything from like how you feel on a daily basis to like long term health, your sleep is impacted. And I think the one of the things that you brought up that is really important is um, for us as runners is this idea of immunity and your immune system. And, you know, when we're, we're, doing so much physical output, say you're starting to ramp up your mileage, you're doing more on a weekly basis. And then overall, you're going to start to feel more tired, you might have a hard time, actually, fall, even though you are tired, you might actually have a hard time falling asleep or getting enough sleep. And then what happens oftentimes is runners will start to get sick, just kind of this general category of get sick, you were mentioning sinus infections, but you know, just a general common cold or just feeling under the weather. And when we start to ramp up mileage and do all of this physical activity, we actually, um, we, well, what's the word I want? We, we actually like not compromise, but we kind of chip away at our immunity a little bit by putting our body under so much physical stress. And so that's where the need and the importance of sleep comes into play. We have to really do our due diligence to be sure that we're kind of optimizing all these little things. I mean, you mentioned nutrition and hunger and ghrelin, and that's another component of it as well. And we have to really, it's not just, I think what I'm trying to say is it's not just about the running. We can do all of these little things like you were mentioning earlier in order to get really good sleep that feed up to that bigger goal of being able to run whatever race or whatever event it is that you want. So um, can I just add on to that? Real quick? Yeah, go for it. it. It's such a, it's such a good point because it, like, especially when you're as athletic as you are and what your body needs to do to repair and the wear and tear you put on your body. That's why sleep is so vital for having, giving your body that chance. So if you want to perform at your peak, if you want to perform at your best, sleep is really important. What happens is, and this isn't just for runners, for so many of us, we tend to uh, compromise our, our sleep because we think, oh, I, I'm so busy, I need to do X, Y, Z, instead of actually giving a little bit more time to our sleep. Like we, we tend to put sleep as something we could do without, or we can kind of like cut into a little bit, you know, and it's not as important when actually it's the cornerstone to being able to perform physically. Um, this is why, you know, I, so many sleep coaches work with like sports teams and things like that to really help them achieve their best. And then I think another thing to keep in mind is when you are a runner and when you're also doing kind of the level of, that you guys are doing with the ultra running and everything, your body is probably quite adrenalized. 
So you might be going to bed with like much higher adrenaline levels, much higher cortisol levels than you actually want to have in your body. And we'll talk about this more in your course as well. But that's just something to think about. It's like, it's just really important that you wind down for bed properly and are giving the body the chance to switch into that rest and digest parasympathetic nervous system um, and get out of that kind of sympathetic adrenaline state. I love that you brought that up because that's something I talk about a lot um, when I teach, you know, movement and yoga classes and breathing and, um, and all of that stuff. Like, again, all of these little things that tie in to that, that bigger picture. So I guess one of the questions that I have um, is what, what should we be more concerned with? So like a lot of us wear, you know, these watches or, you know, it's a garment, it's a whoop, it's, you know, some sort of device that maybe tracks our sleeps. And then I'll be perfectly honest, the numbers make zero sense to me. And so I, <laughs> I haven't had a whoop. Actually, my husband had one for a while and he was kind of ambivalent to it, but it was never really very clear you know, what the numbers meant. So are we more focused or should we be more focused on REM sleep or like the overall number of hours that we are actually asleep? Is there like, is that even a thing? Like what should we be more concerned with? It's a good question. And it's one I get a lot. Like what's more important, deep sleep, REM sleep. And and you might be surprised to know that actually we spend 45 to 55% of our time in light sleep. So light sleep tends to get a bad rap, especially when you're looking at, you know, your device and trying to make sense of things. And you think, oh, light, like light doesn't sound good for some reason. It doesn't sound sub- substantial, right? It's right. Kind of sleep <laughs> we want the deep I sleep. Want that deep sleep. <laughs> um, but actually, it's really not about that. It's about getting a balance. So, you know, it's about getting, you spend, as I said, um, at least 50%, about 50% of your time in that light sleep. And you're going to have a certain amount of time and and in your deep sleep in your REM. So it's really just about having the right balance, the right percentages of each. And when it comes to what, how many hours, so it's not that one type of sleep is more important than the other. Cause I just want to assuage you of any notions of that. It's, it's really not, it's really not like that. Now, when we do the course and um, I can, I don't know if I'll have a chart in there, but if I do, I can show you guys kind of a visual of it, but basically it's, you spend more of your early part of the night in deep sleep and you spend more of your later part of the night in REM sleep, they're still broke. They still, you still go up and you go back and forth between them. But if you're somebody who you tend to procrastinate bedtime and go to bed too late, you might be cutting into that deep sleep. If you tend to wake up too early or you don't want to wake up too early, but you do, or maybe you do wake up purposely early to go do that run, you might be cutting into your REM sleep. So it's kind of keeping the right balance. And then in terms of the device thing, it's so funny because so many people are like obsessed with tracking their sleep or, you know, I'm there, whether it's the wearables or God forbid, putting like the phone under the pillow. I hate when people do that. I'm like, get the phone away from your head. Um, but, but like, you know, people get really obsessed with it, but I say, well, what are you doing with those numbers? What are you doing with the stats? Cause the stats are bullshit. If you're not going to actually take it, and, and like improve something or, or just get, and as you say, sometimes just not, it's just a matter for you. And as you said, of like, not knowing how to analyze the numbers, not knowing like what, well, if I'm doing this and doing this, well, what can I do to get it to the, even if like a Fitbit tells you, oh, this is the, this is the amount you want to be getting. But then it's like, it doesn't, you don't know how to do that. So, so I, when I tell people, if they've been like watching their sleep with numbers for a long time and wearing, I mean, I'm, I'll like say, take off your tech. Don't wear it to bed. Like you've been watching it. You know where you are. You know where you are right now starting. Let's have a month 
where you're like just connecting back with your body and not so reliant on some outward thing telling you how you like, you know, how you feel in the morning, like, you know, how you feel. And if you maybe feel a bit tired and then you look and you see on your Fitbit that you've had shitty sleep, that's only going to make you feel worse, actually, you know? So unless you're using that data to really like launch you into some better habits, then data is just like, let it go for a little while. Yeah. I love that you said that. Cause that's one of the things that I talk about a lot when it just comes to running in general, people like I'm a, I'm a fan of the fancy watches. Like I like, I like it. They look cool. They're useful for certain things, but I feel like we get very attached to them. And, you know, in the running community, sometimes you'll hear this joke, like if it, if you didn't, um, if it's not on Strava or if it didn't, if you're, if Garmin doesn't have it recorded, like it didn't happen. And that's, it, that drives me crazy because you can still obviously have an amazing run and no technology captured it and it still happened and like, it's perfectly fine, you know? So um, we become reliant on these things to prove to us that we're doing a good job when we really should be kind of listening to our bodies. That's another thing I talk about a lot, especially as it pertains to kind of the daily shakedown practice that um, I'm such a huge proponent of you know, using that as an opportunity to kind of check in and see how all of your joints and muscles are doing and let that really inform what you're going to do for the day versus definitely looking at your training plan, but not letting the training plan, you know, consume you, you know, having this body autonomy to be able to say, I don't really like, I didn't sleep all that well, right? Uh, My shoulders bothering me or my hip or my ankle or whatever it is, you know, today I'm supposed to do a lot of speed work. Maybe I should swap that for just like an easy something today. And then tomorrow when I feel better, then I can, you know, flip that workout. But we get so, one of the things that I see a lot and I used to fall victim to it was the training plan says this, I must do this on this day, come hell or high water or else all is lost. Like I will have to start. And so there's just this very all or nothing or cut and dry or black and white, however you want to think about it, approach to training when really it's more ebb and flow and really trying to work with your body instead of against it. So I love that you are a fan of ditching the yeah, <laughs> ditching the I tech. Mean, and just to go back to what you said about you like not not worrying if you recorded that run, I bet there's a purity to that run. Maybe there's something even more enjoyable about it because you're not doing it for a score. You're not doing it for a stat. Um, but just to respond to what you said, yeah, it, it, the thing is, it's like, it's a lot of people just really aren't that connected with their bodies. And I don't know, because I'm not a runner, I'm sorry to say. Um, but so I don't know this. So I might just be completely generalizing. And you can tell me to shut up if it's not true. But I would, I would guess that in some ways, you're very connected to your bodies. But in some ways, you're not because you're always pushing your bodies. Like this is just what I get when I work with athletes. There's this thing where they know their bodies, but they also push the limits so much. And they're so used to pushing past certain points of discomfort or pushing past certain messages that the body's giving that you almost go full circle and become cut off from your body even more. So, you know, that's the thing with like the sleep stuff as well. It's like so many people have normalized feeling tired, have normalized just like pushing through and think, think that they can get by in five to five to six hours of sleep, which let me tell you, that's not true. There's a, there's a tiny little percentage of people that are genetically 
uh, able to get by on that little sleep. I love in the book, uh, Matthew Walker's book, While We Sleep, he actually compares it to saying that you're more likely to be struck by lightning than you are to be one of those people with that genetic predisposition. Um, you know, just you, you asked me about sleep times before and how many hours we as adults, we need seven to nine hours of sleep per night. And that's why eight hours kind of gets held up as the golden rule, just because it's the average. I like to aim for seven and a half hours, um, at least because uh, that is actually quite divisible by the length of your sleep cycle. So sleep cycles are 90 minutes in duration. So that kind of divides in quite nicely to seven and a half, but you might, you might need more when you're recovering, you know? Um, and if for anyone out there that's listening, who's really suffering with insomnia and seven and a half sounds like a pipe dream, let me just tell you, it is possible to get there. It is possible to restore your sleep. Insomnia is not the reason you're not sleeping. Insomnia is a symptom of something else going on in your body. So just to keep that in mind. So, you know, so much in this, in the medical world around sleep, it's, it's just easy to diagnose and say, oh, you have insomnia. Oh, you have sleep paralysis. Oh, you have this. Yes, that is how those symptoms are manifesting in you, but that's not the reason that you're not sleeping. So it's like getting to the heart of that reason and then you can actually heal your sleep. So it is possible. Interesting. I want to go back and just validate the point that you made about pushing past limits. I call it uh, hitting the override button. And when we're training for something, whether it's, you know, your first 5k or your longest race or whatever it is, there is a certain amount of hitting that override button that you're going to have to do in order to, you know, take take steps forwards to hit that goal. Um, and so we do as runners, especially as we get to marathon and ultra distances, get more adept at hitting that override button and overriding things like, um, gosh, like, oh, I, I want to have that big meal, but I know that if I do that, this is just a tiny example, right? I, I want to have that big meal. I'm super hungry, but I, I need to run later. So I'm going to override that want and I'm going to have something smaller and then run and then I'll have something later. It can also manifest as, you know, I have to, like you said, I have to get up early to do that run. So I'm going to hit the override button and sacrifice a little bit of sleep to do that because it works for my schedule. And we get really good at that. And on the one hand, that's a good skill. We need that because in order to, like I said, step up to the next level or get to that goal, you're going to have to do that because what got you to where you are now isn't necessarily what's going to get you to where you want to go. But we also have to balance that with what you're talking about and making smart decisions, especially when it comes to stuff like sleep, because if, if we're just whittling away at the amount and quality of the sleep that we're getting, then it's going to come back to bite us in the ass. Like we're never going to be able to get to where we want to go. So it is a thing. And I want to validate your statement and like tell people like, yes, we do need that skill. But at the same time, there's always going to be this uh, ebb and flow where we have to decide what's a strategic decision and what's just a really bad decision in terms of our bodies and where we want to go. So just wanted to mention that. Yeah. No, I imagine that, uh, that it's a balance because, you know, you are having to, as you, I love that, you know, the override that, that phrase, um, you are having to have to move past points of discomfort or not just give in to, to different things if it's going to impact your training. But I guess we would say like sleep is always a good idea. <laughs> That's what sleep, I think anyway. <laughs> it's, it's always a good idea. That's only going to help your, your routine and that's not to say like, you know, you can't have a few 
say you have to have an early morning. I'm assuming early morning. I don't know why. I'm like picturing people getting up early in the morning and running, but maybe you guys run at all times a day. So I don't know why I keep saying that. But, um, you know, if you, have to, if you have to fit in your runs here and there and it does impact your sleep, that doesn't mean that you should you shouldn't try to recoup that rest in other ways. So there's ways to do that. You know, there's ways to get, uh, get rest during the day, get rest after your workout, um, that can help supplement for maybe a lack of sleep. So it's not about having like a perfect night because even if you do everything right, you're probably going to have some nights now and then that you're not getting a good night's sleep. So it's also knowing what to do when you haven't had a great night's sleep. Mm -hmm. Can you, can you give us an example of one of the things that you would suggest if we're not, you know, if we're not really having, like, say we're stressed at work, or we have a really high training volume, and we're not getting a ton of high quality sleep, what's something that we could try to do during the day um, to make up for it? So a cup, so two, two things. Um, one, I'm glad that you say during the day, because it's actually really, really important that we get rest during the day. Um, there's a reason that after lunch, that you get that kind of tiredness where suddenly you want to reach for the caffeine or maybe the candy bar or whatever you're, you know, you're feeling that like sugar craving. Well, that's because actually the body's designed to require a bit of rest in the afternoon. This is why traditionally all over the world, you see cultures that have siestas that have this break in the day. So one of the best things that you could do for your nervous system and for your sleep is to take a little bit of a break in the afternoon. That's not to say you have to go take a 30-minute nap if you don't have time for it. If you do have time for it, great. But it's even just starting with a few minutes. So when we do your course, I'm going to teach you guys a breathing exercise that you can do during that time that's designed to specifically get you into a parasympathetic nervous system state. Um, so it might be something like that. It might just be like starting small. It's not all or nothing. So even if you – even like today, whoever's listening to this or the next day, if they're listening to it at night, just take one minute where you close your eyes, you're not looking at your screens, and you just check in with the body. You have a little bit more time, maybe you do a breathing exercise, maybe you do a restorative yoga pose, like legs up the wall is a great one. Um, maybe you listen to a guided meditation, but my favorite, favorite thing to do to recoup rest is yoga nidra. And um, you probably know what that is, but in case your audience doesn't know, um, it's, 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 it's also known as yogic sleep. And really the the way that yoga nidra works is it puts you in this hypnagogic state between sleep and rest. So it's very, very restorative. So you don't actually have to fall asleep. If you do fall asleep listening to one, that's fine. I call that a yoga nidra nap and that's great. But even if you just listen to it, it's this very deeply guided meditation that kind of uh, puts you in like a hypnotic and hypnagogic state, you know, these, this kind of hypno hypnosis walking you through your body. And it allows you to get the rest that you would get sleeping, but without actually having to go to sleep. And what I love about it specifically is that 30 minutes can feel equivalent to getting one or two hours more of sleep. So Ooh. it's a game changer. I and like that. Yeah, it's, it's just like a way to biohack your nap, if you will, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and the thing is you could do it in that time in the afternoon when you need a little break. Um, you can also though do it in the morning. And I know it can sound really counterintuitive to think, oh, I've just had a night's sleep. Like, why would I do it in the morning? But if you've had a bad night's sleep or if you've gone out and, and done that run and you need to unwind a bit, doing that in the morning can help you set you up so you're not feeling horrible all day. And there's shorter ones too. There's 10, 15 minute ones that will still have a good benefit. So if you don't have 25, 30 minutes to do a full one, even just doing like a short one can still be really good for your nervous system. 
I like that you said that because one of my goals for this coming year, like starting with the program and kind of rolling into next year is to get better at napping. Like I am a horrible napper because my brain just refuses to shut off. And so I'll go and lay down for a little bit and I just keep, you know, I'm, I'm one of these people that I always think that there's something I, something else I should be doing. And so I can't let that thought go. My mind can't quiet down. And therefore it basically becomes an exercise. Even if I'm tired of me just laying there kind of having the jitters, cause I'm like, mm, I really should be doing something else. So my goal for this coming year is to learn how to nap and, you know, start to bake that into my process because there are definite days um, where I could have really used uh, either what you're saying that early kind of morning nap after a run, because my day is, you know, packed, or if I, I want to be able to, um, if I have some time in the afternoon, you know, catch a quick nap. I mean, I have friends who, um, now predominantly military friends who can like just fall asleep anywhere, like anywhere. And at the drop of a hat, like within two seconds, I don't have any delusions that that's what I'm going to get to, but I would like to be able to kind of, you know, shut it down fairly quickly, get some pretty decent rest and then, you know, come back feeling super refreshed. So I'm, I'm excited for you to teach us all the skills <laughs> so that we can start to, to, to nap and get some additional rest during the day. Well, napping can be anxiety inducing for, uh, for a lot of people. And as you say, you're, you're kind of like lying there and then you're doing like the sleep math of like, Oh, if I, if I fall asleep yes. now and how, how long should I set the alarm? And that's why I like doing it with the yoga nature because it kind of like you're handing that over to something else in a good way in a positive way where you're like, okay, I just have to listen to this thing. All I have to do is listen to this thing. And if your mind wanders as it, surely will, you just come back to the voice and you just come back to focusing on the parts of your body that it mentions. Um, so even if you have, you know, if you're having like that trouble settling down, it will put you in that, in that state is one part of it. The other thing though, I think it's interesting that you said is that you're lying there and you're thinking of all the other shit you have to do. This comes back to a mindset thing. And that is part of like what the work that I do with clients is really a lot to do with, with mindsets and intentions and even habits and stuff like that. It's not just like, here's the science of sleep. Because for so many of us, we were entrenched in these ways of thinking about productivity that we've been in for years and years and years. And part of that is like society, so, you know, a big part of that is society satiety induced rather where it's like we put productivity on the pedestal and we tend to think that if we're not literally doing something that we're somehow being lazy or somehow yeah not contributing to the world or like making ourselves better yeah, yeah exactly and I mean especially like you know not to generalize again but I think women do this to ourselves a lot there's like a lot of that productivity guilt that if we take a break and it's the funny thing is it's like rest is often the most productive thing you can do in that moment. And if you're talking about pure productivity, you know, then you will actually get more done than if you've had that rest. Because I'm sure you felt this before where you're tired and something that would maybe normally take you 30 minutes to do suddenly feels like it takes two hours to do. Well, if you had actually stopped and rest for those 5, 10, 15 minutes, then when you have to then get up and tackle these things, it'll go so much more smoothly. But a lot of it is mindset. And then a lot of it is just 
knowing, like putting parameters in around napping. I always say it's a good idea to put parameters in around your nap. So you're not just like going to sleep and waking up and not knowing where you are and what year it is and that kind of haze. You know, you want to ideally sleep for about 20, 30 minutes. It's a great power nap. So that's why listening to Anidra is great to kind of just make you feel like you've had even more because you're not getting fully into a deep sleep cycle. Because you know that thing when you nap and then you wake up and you're really groggy and sometimes you feel worse for a little bit. You don't really get that with a Nidra nap, or at least I haven't found that. Um, so yeah, part of it is giving yourself permission to rest and putting in boundaries around rest. And, and what I mean by that is allowing yourself to say, hey, I'm going to actually schedule 10 minutes of rest in my calendar today, like into my schedule today, or telling myself, hey, I'm going to put a priority on going to bed at a certain time, you know, and like, having these boundaries for ourselves. So we're not just going with our old habits and burning the candle at both ends. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. I love that. So Risa, um, if we are thinking about, you know, trying to get really good, high quality sleep tonight, like what's the one thing you would tell us to start with right away? Like say we, you know, we don't sleep all that well, we have like a, you know, a kind of a typical nine to five job. We're runners. We, you know, run fairly frequently. Like what's, you know, what's something that we can start with that's super simple? The best thing that you could start with for, and this is what I tell everybody is get off your tech, get off your phones, get off your screens at least 30 minutes before bed. In the long run, you want to work up, but I'm not going to tell you something you're not going to do. I'm not going to be like, put your phone away the moment you get home and not touch it because that will never happen. <laughs> Not, not casting aspersions on you. I'm just kind of saying what I know people are like. Um, but 30 minutes, you could do that. 30 minutes, you know, is doable. And what that means is then within those 30 minutes, winding down for bed properly. And there's a couple of reasons we want to get off our phones. One is that blue light uh, specifically inhibits your melatonin production. So you've probably heard about like blue light from phones, or maybe you've seen advertisements for like glasses that block the blue light and all that. But that's the reason is it inhibits your melatonin production. And when we do the course, I'll get into much more detail about about how that works and how to track your melatonin levels and all that. But basically, let's just say melatonin is one of the most important drives of sleep. And it's not something that makes you feel tired. I know in the US, we can get it as like a supplement to take, which is actually not that effective. There's better supplements to take for sleep. Um, but it gets this misconception that it's something that makes you tired when it's actually more of a signal to the brain that tells you when to go to sleep and also to stay asleep because it doesn't come in all at once. It gets released incrementally and peaking in the middle of the night. So when you're looking at blue light before bed, it is going to inhibit that melatonin production. And it also has a half-life. So much like caffeine, it stays in your body for hours after you've consumed it. So you could like literally be looking at your phone before bed, scrolling so tired, your eyes closed, you fall asleep. So you think, oh, my phone's not doing anything. I'm still falling asleep. But if you're not waking up feeling refreshed, if you're not getting good quality sleep, it's because the overall production and release of your melatonin has been... Um, hampered by that blue light. So that's one reason. The other reason we want to get off of our phones and our computers and our iPads and our TV and all that, all that shit before bed is because of what it does to you chemically. So you might be watching something exciting and that spikes your adrenaline. You might be looking at your phone and it might, you know, say you're check your work email right before bed and you see a stressful email and that spikes your cortisol and our cortisol levels are meant to naturally drop off before bed. But what happens is that in our modern day world, we tend to be having higher cortisol levels at night than we want. So to answer your question, getting off that phone 
getting off all your tech at least 30 minutes before bed and making a bedtime routine or ritual that works for you. And that doesn't mean you have to do the exact same thing every night. It's more like having a toolkit and knowing, okay, I'm going to do these stretches before bed because that's going to help ease the tension for my body. Or I'm going to read in bed because I really like reading in bed. And in turn, I get asked about Kindles a lot. I would say like Kindles are the lesser of evil when it comes to screens. You're As long as you're having it on a dim enough light. But if you just have like a normal book and like a normal dim book light or bedside table lamp, that can be really good as well. Um, maybe it's doing something that I that I call meditative menial tasks, which is just a fancy way of saying chores. So it's like leaving that stuff to the end of the night, like folding the laundry or getting your running kit ready for the next day or, you know, doing the dishes, like stuff that is kind of a, has a repetitive quality to the movement, to the, what you're doing physically, you're not looking at your screens. And then it also just ticks something off on your mental to-do list. Um, and that in itself is a really great tool. So if you go to bed and you're having a lot of thoughts in your head, writing down what's in your head before you go to bed. And that's not journaling. I'm a big fan of journaling, but more so doing like morning pages um, and catching that, that thought process, you know, when you wake up, because when we journal at night, it tends to be more of a rehashing of the day. Um, but this is literally like having a scrap of paper. It doesn't matter what it is, a post-it note, whatever, and just writing down a word or a sentence based on what you're thinking about. So it could be something from your personal to-do list. It could be something from work, like the name of a person you have a meeting with the next day, or it might be a memory from 20 years ago. <laughs> the content isn't important, but by getting, it sounds really simple, but it's really effective. So by getting that out of your head and down on paper, you're doing something called closing your mental loops, which is something that um, the author Chris Bailey talks about in his book, Hyperfocus, which is a really cool book about focus and everything. And it's just the reason that we have to-do lists and we have calendars and we have, you know, we're not meant to hold all of this stuff in our head. So long story short, getting off that phone 30 minutes before bed, getting your phone also out of your room if you can. So I literally put my phone to bed in the hallway before I go to bed. And then I don't look at it. It's like, so I know some people might need to keep the phone in the room because maybe they need to, you know, maybe they're taking care of a family member. They need to be able to get a call. There's still ways you can like set it up. So it's on the other side of the room. <laughs> so, you know, but not getting a real alarm clock and not using your phone as your alarm clock, because then what do we do in the morning? First thing that we do, what, like, what do you do? Do you look at your phone first thing in the morning? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so okay. guilty. I know it's, most people do. When I do the group talks for corporates, and I'm like, "Who uses their phone?" And like, most people are like, "Yes." And then there's one person that's like, "No, I have a real alarm clock," but it's usually like, literally one person. Um. So the thing about the mornings is we have a natural burst of cortisol that wakes us up in the morning that comes in with our circadian rhythms. So you don't want to pile on that by taking in you know, more like taking in news or emails or social media or other people's thoughts. Like, why should that be the first thing that comes into our head? You know, from a mental mindset standpoint, you don't have that, you're losing that clarity, you're losing that connection with yourself. But from like a physiological sleep standpoint, you're just going to jack up your cortisol even more and it's going to set you up to crash at the wrong time of day. So yeah, that's, that's the biggest thing I tell people, get the phone out of the room, have a nice routine before bed or a, a selection of tools that you can kind of start to use to wind yourself down properly. So the, so when you get in bed, you can actually fall asleep and relax. Oh man, so much work to do. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a lot when you're hearing it all, I'm sure at first, but it's really just a matter of, um, like I said, learning these a few different skills here and there, and then knowing like, okay, I can try this and see if this works. And I can try this and see if this works. And like, it's not like you have to do everything precisely in a certain order. 
it's just kind of knowing what you need, what you need that day. So it is that reintroduction to your body in a different way. Well, what I love about what you're saying is that it's, it's all stuff that most of us know we should be doing. And I've been saying this, it's like just in general about all of the stuff that's that goes into running, but all of the stuff that is actually going to go into the winter reboot program, like it's all stuff that we know we need to do, but we just need somebody to hold us accountable. We need somebody to help uh, filter the decisions to help us decide, okay, where do we even start? Because you named a couple things that are really simple to get started with, but sometimes just getting over that first initial hump is the hardest part. And then, you know, then deciding, okay, what's the next step? You know, is it trying to take some supplements or is it getting a certain, you know, mattress? I don't even know, right? I'm just throwing random things out there that I'm sure have been marketed to all of us over time, right? Um, but you know, just there, we know what we need to do. We just have to actually do it. And that's the part that I think is so important for the program and for what you're sharing with us and what all of our experts are are going to share. So I am excited. And I think my objective for the day is to go on, uh, and find an actual alarm clock that I'm going to start using instead of, (laughs) instead of using, uh, my phone. So um, thank you, Risa. I have really appreciated you coming on and sharing all of this with us. Um, where can people kind of connect with you and like see more about your work and what you do? Yeah. So um, I am on Instagram at Risa underscore Gabrielle. And just to spell that, it's R-I-S-A, <laughs> like Lisa with an R, and then um, G-A-B-R-I-E-L-L-E. And that's my, my website as well is risagabrielle.com. And they can email me at that, at that address as well at Gmail. So yeah, I would love to hear any you know, questions that people have if they want to check in and ask me anything about their, their sleep. And back to your alarm thing. If you are going to treat yourself to an alarm, get one that's like dimmable. So you don't have the lights glaring at you in the night. Ooh, yeah, that is one of my biggest pet peeves when I, um, when I, when I am basically like when I'm in hotel rooms too, with yeah. the, just the big bright alarm clock. So I think I'm going to have to do uh, a little research and see if I can find, um, real quick, this just came up. What do yeah. you think about those alarm clocks that have the daylight that do like the, the gloomy red, ones and stuff? Yeah. I mean, I think they, they can be helpful um, in the winter when you when you don't maybe have light outside. Um, and, and then I, I don't know, I didn't find it's supposed to kind of like wake you up slowly and gradually. But I felt I found that I was still sleeping till the alarm went off and I would just wake up and there'd be a little bit of a light there. But I think the actual, you know, the idea of getting light or even using like a seasonal affective disorder lamp in the winter to get that light can be really useful because that is one of the best things we can do to start to reset our circadian rhythms, our body clock is, to, and, our, and, our, and to help our melatonin levels is to get light in the day. Um, but the best thing is to actually get outside and get natural light because that's 50 times more potent than just like looking out a window. So it's, it's really important that you do that. And, you know, for you guys, that's great. You could be out doing that on your run, you know, and getting that natural light. Um, And even on a day when it's overcast, it's still better than just opening the window is to actually get outside. So, you know, I've seen those alarm clocks and I've been wondering about those. So, okay. I'll have to personal preference. I would say like, you don't need to get one, but like, what, the only thing I would say that's nice about them is then they, they kind of double as a seasonal affective disorder lamp because the brightness mm-hmm. level is like the same level of light. Um, mm-hmm. But I had one and I wasn't like that 
that like I didn't notice a huge benefit, but I've had other people that have loved them. But I think the most important thing is just getting a one that's like, like I have, I just have a really basic little alarm clock, but it, it doesn't um, turn on unless you tap it. So you oh, don't have it glaring at you in the night. So if you just tap it, then the screen lights up. Mm-hmm. Otherwise it doesn't like, you know, have the really annoying digits glaring at you. Yeah. Good to know. That's one of my other pet peeves is that like, if you roll over and look at it, it's one of the reasons why I've uh, used my phone because it's not staring me back in the face, but like, I don't roll over and see, Oh, it's three fifteen AM and mm-hmm. you're still awake. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'll have to look for one, uh, that you can tap to actually see the display. All right, good. Yeah. All right. Check that out. Thank you. Lisa. About, sorry. And I'm interrupting you again. No, go for it. <laughs> I'm just going to add, um, you can't shut me up. I'm going to keep talking all day. <laughs> no, no, no. I love it. We can talk all day about sleep, <laughs> no. but yeah, I know you have other things that you have I to know. do. <laughs> no, but just what I was going to say is like that idea of looking at the clock, in the night, I always tell people, especially people who have a trouble with waking up in the night and they have trouble falling back asleep, is to not look at your clock in the night because it's it's gonna it's gonna do absolutely nothing for you. You know, when you wake up and you don't know what time it is and you're kind of confused, that's actually better for getting back to sleep because when you see the time, all you're gonna be doing is, oh no, I haven't fallen asleep yet, or oh no, I have only this many more hours of sleep, and then your body tries to help you out by saying, oh no, here's some adrenaline because you're stressed, and then it actually. It makes it harder to get back to sleep. So the worst thing you can do is look at your watch or your clock or your, God forbid, your phone in the middle of the night. So yeah, that's why I say just get one where it's like, it's there if you need it, but you don't have to like look at it. And if you can try to avoid checking the time in the night, do that. Like that's like the first step to helping you get back to sleep if you wake up. And we can go through all the steps of how to fall back asleep if you wake up in the night when, when I come on to do your course. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Which I'm so excited about. I, I have like a whole list of questions going for you right now in the background. <laughs> I'm going to probe Risa for all the stuff about sleep so that I can get this all figured out. And yes, so if you guys are interested, you want to join uh, the winter reboot starts on November 1st. Reese is going to be there. She's going to share all the amazing tips that she talked about here in depth, plus more all about sleep. Uh, and we'd love to have you guys. So I'll put the link to that in the show notes and you can come and check it out. Thank you so much, Risa, for hanging out with us today. And uh, yeah, maybe we should do this again a little bit later and we can talk about uh, a different, you know, sub topic on sleep oh, to, yeah. to kind of get people pointed in the right direction. There's so much. It's such a deep, a deep topic, really. Um, But thank you so much for having me today. It was lots of fun. Great. Thanks. (laughs) So I don't know about you guys, but the biggest takeaway for me from that conversation with Risa was learning about the half-life of blue light. I mean, I have a pair of those blue light glasses for my computer during the day. And yes, I freely admitted that I look at my phone a lot before I go to bed, but I had no idea that that stuff actually has a half light. And now it actually really makes sense in terms of some of the nights when I do look at my phone more or less and how quickly or how not quickly (laughs) I'm able to fall asleep. So hopefully you took some nugget or pearl of wisdom away from that conversation that you can actually put into practice immediately because sleep is so important. And so Really, I'm excited to dive into the program, have Risa come and share all of her sleep wisdom with me and the rest of the group so that we can start to optimize that before 2022 comes around. And just one thing that I want to kind of reiterate about the Winter Reboot program, like this is a program for runners of all 
ages and abilities. So whether you're going to just run your first 5k next year, or whether you have a goal set to run 500k, right? Like the longest distance you've ever done. Like this is a program for you guys. I mean, I have freely admitted that I am a mid to the back of the pack runner. And so that's my approach when it comes to coaching other runners. Like I want to help you optimize these little things that will help to kind of move you up in the pack to whatever degree that you're looking for. So my goal isn't to turn you into an elite runner or even an ultra runner if you don't want to. Although I have convinced a lot of people. (laughs) But the program is really to help you find and identify those holes in your training that you can then fill and get better at and just improve your overall running game so that you can run indefinitely for however long you want. All right. So we kick things off on Monday, November 1st. Registration is going to be open through Saturday. So if you're listening to this on Friday or Saturday over the weekend, get in there, snag your spot before registration closes and all of the fun begins on November 1st. So go to my website, www.meganmeghan-gould.com forward slash winter dash reboot. That's where all the information is. That's where you can snag your spot. And I am really looking forward to the kick-ass crew of runners that we have shaping up for this next round. So that's all for this episode, you guys. Practice your sleep, enjoy this beat, and I will see you all soon.